happy Easter. It is so good to see you here as we celebrate God's extravagant welcome, to sing about it, to to uh, listen to the scriptures about it, to uh, uh, be together in that. Uh, I am so glad you're here just as we uh, experience God rolling out the red carpet to us through the miracle of the empty tomb. Uh, special welcome to those of you who are uh, newer or, or visiting today. Uh, I hope that you uh, feel welcome uh, and you are our honor, honored guests. Uh, we have been preparing to uh, roll out the red carpet to each of you just as God has rolled out the red carpet to all of us. Um, and in case we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Andy. Uh, I am privileged to be the senior pastor here at Troy United Methodist Church. And, and we are even more privileged to have you here on this red carpet Easter. Uh, it, it feels really good to be welcomed, doesn't it? I mean, just in general, it feels good to, to be welcomed. You know when you're wanted, don't you? You know when someone has gone out of their way thinking about you and, and preparing for you. Uh, I, I feel that way as a pastor. Uh, one of the things that we do for fun um, is our fun is we go to conferences. That's a, it's, it's like the, the life of a pastor. It's like, oh, let's get excited going to a conference. And, and I, love, I love going to conferences when, uh, and I feel especially welcomed at conferences when they, uh, they kind of bring out all the freebies. Uh, when they give you like a bag, a goodie bag full of candy and books and, and T-shirts and little gadgets. Uh, I just, I don't need any of that stuff. Uh, but, but I love getting it. It makes me feel extra welcome. And In fact, if you are, are newer uh, to uh, Troy United Methodist Church, maybe you haven't been here in a while, uh, uh, David mentioned the connection card that you found in your bulletin. If you are newer, don't, don't put that in the offering plate. Keep it. Save it. Fill it out. And then take it to the Welcome Center uh, that's in the uh, little uh, entryway out there. And we've got, a fr we've got some swag for you. Uh, look at that. So you receive a little, a little gift bag of freebies yourself with a little information about the church and, and uh, a coffee mug, but without coffee in it because Jesus is risen. You don't need that stuff today. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. But you know, you certainly know when you're wanted, don't you? You know when you're in a relationship or you're uh, connected to somebody or, or you show up to some place and, and you know when somebody's gone out of their way to welcome you. Uh, last week, I... I shared about a once-in-a-lifetime welcome that, that I received as a part of a trip to the West African nation of Liberia. Uh, we were there uh, to uh, connect with a partner church, and they just rolled out the red carpet for me and our entire group, and, and it made a lasting impact in my life. But the unfortunate reality is, uh, when you receive the opposite of a welcome, it makes a lasting impact too, doesn't it? To me, the opposite of rolling out the red carpet is getting a door slammed in your face. There's nothing that says you are not wanted or you are not welcome more than that. It is the clearest, most straightforward and direct way to communicate rejection. Can I be real with you uh, for a little bit here? Um, I know some of us, uh, we haven't even met yet. Uh, you don't know me uh, that well. But here, here's just a, a little bit of a window into my soul. My absolute biggest fear in life, in, in this world, is rejection. 
Uh, no, that's not an April Fool. That's, that's for real. That's, uh, that, that's, that's really, I mean, I, I've psychoanalyzed myself enough. Uh, I've invited some trusted friends and even some counselors um, into, into doing the same. And, and I can kind of uh, trace this fear uh, way back into my childhood years. Uh, I have vivid memories of, of different times of growing up uh, of being left out or, or not being included uh, when I was a kid at school. So I just remember. I remember the instances. They're, they're, they're hardwired in there. Uh, I, I also, uh, growing up, repeatedly felt rejected by my dad. I, like I was never able to measure up, that I was never good enough for his love. And, and as I got older, I, I learned that, man, I hated feeling rejected. It was like the worst feeling in the world. And so I did everything I could uh, as a kid to avoid being rejected. Like, I, I became, a, like as a kid, I became a people pleaser. You know what I mean? Where, where I, I would follow the rules so that, so that nobody could ever find me at fault and reject me for it. Uh, for, for a period uh, during my adolescent years, I, peer pressure was a very, very real temptation for me because I didn't want to be laughed at or left out. I also became uh, an overachiever where uh, I did everything I could to be the best at everything so that people would accept me and think highly of me and so that they wouldn't have any cause to reject me. And I tell you, it is, it is so hard to go through life always working and working and working to earn your welcome. It is exhausting to constantly try to win the approval of others. It oftentimes results in deep insecurity. It did in me. Uh, forever wondering where you stand with somebody else. Uh, it, it sometimes in people results in perfectionism, which is just where you thin in life. Uh, for others, it results in, in this sense, if you feel like you have to measure up, but you never feel like you really can, eventually you just throw your arms up and you say, what's the point? And, and so for some, it results in, in just outright rebellion and, and rejection of the rules, giving others around you every excuse to reject you so that you never get your hopes up anymore that somebody would actually receive you as you are. Have you ever experienced rejection? It, you know, it, it can come in any number of ways. Maybe for you, like me growing up, you had a parent who was emotionally distant. Or maybe you had a spouse walk out on you. Maybe you weren't smart enough to get into that school that you really wanted to get into. Or, or, or your failures led to your rejection. You were fired from a job. You're, Maybe your, your adult kids want nothing to do with you. Uh, or you were simply seen as less than by those around you. You know, regardless of how it happened, you know, you know when you're being rejected. You, you know what it feels like. And the message is loud and clear. I mean, it feels like a door slamming. And that message comes that you are not good enough the way that you are. You are not welcome here. But as bad as, as an unwelcome rejection feels just in general in life, it, it is 10 times, 100 times worse, infinitely worse when you feel 
like you're being turned away by God. You might feel rejected by God for any number of reasons. Maybe for you, you've had pain and hurt in your life. Maybe because of that, you've struggled with doubt. Always second-guessing God because your life hasn't gone the way that you had planned, the way that you had hoped. And if that's you, I certainly want to invite you back. Uh, Two weeks from now, we'll be starting a new message series called Second Guessing God, and that, that would be a perfect time to wrestle with some of that doubt that you might have in your life, a reason that maybe you feel rejected by God. But maybe you feel rejected by God because of a bad experience with with Christians. It happens. A bad experience with the church. It happens more times than I'd like to admit. When, When you expected people to treat you like Jesus and they didn't, that can make you feel rejected by God. Maybe you were overlooked or not reached out to, not included. Maybe you have felt, as you've journeyed through life, perpetually on the outside of the Christianity club. And some of you might feel that way even here today. It's an Easter miracle that you're even here today. And if that's the case, I really am glad that you're here. I hope that you do feel welcome and that you didn't have a bad experience in the parking lot fighting over a spot or anything like that. That's... Uh, but on the other hand, it is, it is just as likely that you feel rejected by God because you can't imagine God being okay with some of the stuff in your life. The regretful decisions of the past. E- even the questionable circumstances that you find yourself in right now. Maybe, maybe you've tried to be a God pleaser to, to make up uh, for some sense of unworthiness inside of you. So you try to earn your welcome from God by striving for perfection, and the result is physical, emotional, even spiritual exhaustion. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me how often I will encounter somebody or talk with somebody about their story and, and, and hear how rejected a person feels by God for any number of reasons. And if it's God's door that's being closed or you perceive it to being slammed in your face, that is one heavy, big door to have slammed in your face. The ironic thing is, our God knows what it feels like to be rejected. And throughout the Bible, people were consistently rejecting God. But we see this most clearly in the life and the death of Jesus Jesus frequently had doors, metaphorical doors, slammed in his face. Throughout Jesus' three-year ministry, think about that. Jesus only was really in ministry for three years. Uh, But it was maybe not the the most fruitful ministry in many ways because countless people rejected Jesus. Yeah, there were some who followed Jesus, but many, many more said, no, thank you. We don't want that. He was rejected time and time again. In fact, so many people radically rejected Jesus that in the end, the masses were yelling, crucify him. I've never experienced that yet in ministry. But if it wasn't those on the outside of his circle, the most hurtful rejection was probably from Jesus' inner circle by Judas, who betrayed Jesus and turned Jesus in, leading to his arrest and his trial. 
Uh, and if it, Judas' betrayal wasn't the worst for Jesus, then maybe it was the rejection of Jesus' closest earthly friend, Peter, who three times, the Bible tells us, denied even knowing Jesus. When it mattered most, he didn't show up. But the climax of Jesus' earthly rejection was his death on the cross, the beatings, the mockery, the nails, the, the thorns, the spear, the, the crucifixion was the epitome of Jesus' rejection. And it came at the hands of those who Jesus came to love and to serve and to welcome into his kingdom. And if that wasn't enough, the Bible describes that in his death, Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. And the consequence of that sin was that even his heavenly father turned his face away, just like the song that we sang. God turned his face away from Jesus. And Jesus, when he felt his father's face turn away, the scriptures say, as David read earlier, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the Bible tells us why. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, the scriptures say, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He bore our sin on the cross. He was rejected by God for us. He suffered the, the, the cosmic penalty for our sin. And then... Then, as if to seal the deal, we heard in the scripture read earlier that the door was literally closed on Jesus. His body was put in a tomb and a heavy, huge stone was rolled in front of it. The door was slammed shut. Rejection after rejection after rejection. It tends to birth hopelessness in one's heart. You know, the more you feel unwelcome, the easier it is to become cynical. You've fought this, haven't you? The easier it is to feel less likely that you will ever be able to expect a real welcome from anyone. So you just let your heart get hard. Hope is lost. When the stone was rolled in front of the entrance to the tomb and that door was slammed shut, all hope seemed lost. I don't know if you've ever felt, I don't know if you've ever been in, in one of those dark places where you have felt like all hope was lost. That all hope was lost, that you would be able to live the life that somewhere deep inside you know you were created to live. A, a life of faithfulness and joy and meaning and difference making. A, a life of being received and belonging, and being loved. A life of contentment and strength for the storms that will inevitably come your way. You know, I found in my own life, the more I put my hope in, in things of this world, even good things, things like relationships with others, or, or health, or work, uh, or the Illini, you know, the more, the more I put my hope in worldly things, the more I am let down. Time and time again, I used to say the Cubs. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> my only hope, your only hope, 
to experience the life that God created us to live. Our only hope is found at the empty tomb, which we celebrate today. You see, the cross and the empty tomb were, were God's way of rolling out the red carpet to you and to me. Because Jesus bore our sin on the cross and, and, and we are seen as righteous in God's eyes. We are offered forgiveness. We are cleansed. We are given a new start and we are welcomed into God's family. And because of the empty tomb, because Jesus conquered death, we can know that our lives can be resurrected in him. And that even death, Death for ourselves, death for our loved ones, which I know some of you have walked that journey this year. We can know that death will not separate us from God's love for us. The cross and the empty tomb are God's red carpet welcome for you and for me and for all people. And, and this morning, we, we have a, a great privilege of hearing a witness to Jesus' resurrection a witness to God rolling out the red carpet. We uh, get to hear from a couple who for years have been far from God but have recently experienced God's extravagant welcome uh, for themselves. And I tell you what, you are going to be blessed by Rick and Crystal's story. So would you uh, give them a wonderful welcome as they make their way out? Hi, my name is Rick Lechner. And I'm Crystal Lechner, and this is some of our story. I grew up in an Air Force family, and when I was young, my parents became Christ followers, and they were immersed in the church lives while stationed in Alaska. When I was seven years old, I received Jesus as my personal savior and was baptized. The next year, we moved to Germany, to Germany, and everything changed. My parents' faith wavered, and my dad became, became, began drinking and womanizing. He promised to change, but he never did. After I moved back to States, we moved here to Troy, where I started my freshman year of high school. My dad eventually left my mom. I was 17, and soon after, my mom was diagnosed with MS. Despite all this, she kept her faith. But for all intents and purposes, I didn't. I joined the Air Force, I married an atheist woman, I drank a lot with friends, and I found myself far from God, far from church. Despite my mom's encouragement for me to find church, I ran from God and my life fell apart. I got out of the military, I got divorced largely because I had become cold and I didn't really know how to love. It was a scary time for me. I didn't have a job and I had to go back to school to find a career. That's when I met Crystal and we got married. My life growing up was pretty difficult. My parents were both drug addicts. Thankfully, when my biological mother was on a binge, my dad saw the light and got into recovery. While he was in recovery, my Aunt Lisa introduced me to the church. She loved Jesus and I loved going to church. And I got to know who Jesus was, even though I didn't really know Jesus yet. <clears throat> My dad, now out of rehab, got married to an amazing woman who I consider my mom. She wasn't my biological mom, but she welcomed me into her life as her own daughter. She welcomed me into her home. She fed me. She clothed me. Things even as a young kid I didn't take for granted. She cared for me in a way I never had before. 
Fast forward to my adult years, I joined the Air Force. I moved around quite a bit. I was assigned to mortuary work for the military. I did this for years. It was such difficult work. I've seen hundreds of body bags. It changed me, and not for the better. Rick and I got married during this time, and although that was, that was good, my life began unraveling. My wonderful mother died, Rick's mom died, my grandmother died. Three of the most wonderful, loving, and welcoming, welcoming women in my life died. Then I had dozens of multiple cases in a row. I was dealing with death so much. I was dying on the inside, and I used drinking to cope with. I truly felt like God brought us together. We helped each other through the losses of the only ones that whoever unconditionally loved us and welcomed us. But I watched Crystal drown all her pain and bad memories with alcohol. She was spiraling out of control and I didn't know what to do. When she was at rock bottom, I called her dad. When I was at my darkest, I was thinking about ending my life. My dad helped me get to an AA meeting. That was six months ago. April 6th is my six month sobriety date. And I prayed for the first time in years. I was so lost. And I prayed for the first time in years. I really prayed. I got on my knees and I prayed. At the same time, my awesome boss invited me to come to church with him here. I asked Rick if he wanted to go. And he said yes. The truth is I said yes because I wanted Crystal to learn the higher power she was learning about in AA was the God that I knew about growing up. I agreed to come to church for my wife's benefit. Then Andy's first message was about the Christian atheist. It cut through me and my walls of complacent religious reviews that I've stacked up through the years. He was talking about me. As the message series went on, God convicted me. It made me realize I was living a lie. I knew him, but I didn't know him like I should. I started reading the Christian Atheist book and praying about it. A few weeks later, it was communion week, and I remember as I went up, Andy asked me if I was willing to follow Christ. My knees got weak. I paused. And then God's grace poured down on me, and it was overwhelming. At that moment, I repented of my sins, and I asked for forgiveness and made God Lord of my life. I felt God in this church welcomed me despite all my baggage, and I'm a changed person. I now have an unquenchable thirst for to know God more and study his words. God has changed both our lives. The first time we, ta- we walked in, we were welcomed so much, and I felt like I was being hugged, but no arms were physically around me. We kept coming, and every Sunday I felt like I was home. I look forward to church, but being honest, I really don't like getting out of bed early. So let's just be honest, the 1045 service is a great service for me. During the last few months, I felt like I've been on this journey of finding Jesus and myself. Even though on that communion Sunday, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I still don't feel like I'm worthy of him. I still don't know how he would want me. I'm covered in sins, and I have sinned. I love Jesus, but I am not worthy. I'm still on this journey to finding him and who I really am. 
However, when I pray, and sometimes I just talk to him, even in the truck on the way to work, I feel so much love. Strange that I feel that, me the sinner, and yet he still welcomes me. Thank you all for welcoming us, and thank you for listening to our story. And Crystal, I, I am thrilled, I think we all are, that, that you have experienced God's extravagant welcome for you uh, as a part of this church. Uh, that's, those stories never get old. They never do. And uh, Crystal, um, you know, none of us is worthy of God's love for us. Not, not a single one of us. And uh, you've experienced God roll out the red carpet for you. And and the truth is, he's, he's rolled it out for you, too. Every single one of us here. And, and in case you, you haven't put it all together yet, um, Jesus, Jesus himself is the red carpet. He, he is the one who, who laid down his life so that we could be welcomed by God. And, and when, when you think about like a red carpet event, and you, and you see the red carpet, and you think, wow, this is, this is like maybe just a little too glorious for me, uh, a little too glamorous. Like, I don't, I don't measure up. I don't deserve to walk on that red carpet. In fact, I, I didn't get to see it down here. You all beat me in here, but I was up in the 8 o'clock worship service, and, and we had a red carpet rolled out there, just like is right in the entryway here. And I noticed some, some people walking around it. They didn't, they didn't want to walk on it. Almost like, well, if I walk on this, I'm going to dirty it up. But here's the deal. There's no getting around the red carpet. If you want the open-armed embrace of your heavenly father, the one who created you to love you and has been beckoning you your entire life, even before you were born, if you want to be received into the family of God, you must walk the red carpet. You've got to walk that path. You've got to risk dirtying up Jesus. Give him your brokenness. Give him your junk. And embrace everything that he's done for you. I mean, Jesus, God in the flesh, laid down his life to roll out the red carpet for, for you and me and, and all people, regardless of your status, regardless of your past. You, you don't have to be a celebrity or have picture-perfect morality to walk this red carpet. You don't have to have your, your junk, your garbage airbrushed in order to be welcomed into this party. You don't have to be, have a church pedigree. You don't have to know the Bible inside and out. No matter how far you've fallen, no matter how many times you've failed, no matter how many times you promised God that you were going to make some changes and do life differently and then never followed through, no matter how empty your heart might feel, after years and years of being a faithful churchgoer, no matter how many times you have been rejected by others or you have rejected yourself, if you put your hope in Jesus, God will never reject you. He's rolled out the red carpet for you. But, but hear me on this. Just because God rolled out the red carpet doesn't mean that you're in the party yet. To experience God's extravagant welcome and embrace, you've got to walk the red carpet. And here's how you do it. 
in your heart of hearts, you, you have to begin by admitting your need for Jesus. Recognize that he laid down his life for you, that he is the red carpet. And, and then you walk the red carpet by letting him take your brokenness. Confessing your sin, recognizing that, that you don't measure up, that you don't belong on that red carpet. You confess it and receive his forgiveness and his grace. And then the part that we oftentimes miss, you don't just walk the red carpet once. Walking the red carpet is a lifelong journey. Jesus is alive. He, he is risen and he invites you on a lifelong journey with him. And, and, and I have to tell you, as I have journeyed with Jesus over the last 28 years since I first walked the red carpet, uh, he has helped me know his extravagant welcome for me. And, and without getting into it too much, he, he's really set me free from that, that fear of rejection. Mostly. I'm still relying on him every once in a while. All the time, actually. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he's broken the chains of insecurity in my life. So that I don't live for others to please others, I live to please him. He's broken that chain of insecurity in me and he's given me a peace and a joy and a contentment in life that, that friends, it surpasses all understanding. It really does. So on this glorious Easter day, until it snows, uh, <laughs> after we sing more of God's uh, amazing praises on this Resurrection Sunday, this day when we receive hope that because of the empty tomb, our lives can be resurrected in him. On your way out, don't avoid the red carpet. Line up and walk right across it. Walk across it as a symbolic gesture of you saying yes, maybe for the first time to a real journey with Jesus, or, or maybe as a commitment to an ongoing journey with him. And, and I tell you what, here at Troy United Methodist Church, we would be honored if you would continue that journey as a part of this church community. We would love that. So happy Easter. Let's pray together. God Almighty, thank you so much for welcoming us with wide open arms. Thank, thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross so that we can be welcomed into your family despite our, our sin and our shame, the dirt all over our shoes. And thank you for the empty tomb so that we can personally experience the power of resurrected lives when we put our hope and our trust in you. God, thank you for rolling out the red carpet for us through your son, Jesus. We are eternally grateful, Lord, uh, on this most blessed day. W would you give us the courage to say yes to you and to receive your welcome by walking the red carpet? And would you give us your grace to welcome one another the way that you have welcomed us so that there can be more stories of transformation like Rick's and Crystal's so your kingdom would come here on this earth as it is in heaven. All praise to you, Almighty Father, who with the risen Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit live and reign forevermore. Amen.